0: Well, the thing is, as well, like we don't do intros, so it's, nice. <laughs> it's basically like we just literally carry on the conversation where we started. And the um the notion of um the you the training. So obviously, with the kettlebell, the book, and bits and pieces like that, and you talk about the podcast. Very little prep time for both of us. Very little um uh. Topical of discussion, then it becomes a guided discovery. Yeah, that's what's good about it, right? I love I, it. I don't know if you've been on podcasts before that you've had to do pre-interviews
1: for. uh no, actually, uh, thankfully, no.
0: Yeah, uh, I've been on a few, like thirty-minute phone calls to to be on a podcast. It seems like, like a waste of time. You're taking the conversation a bit too seriously, mate. So you're
1: like, uh, yeah, exactly, like. We're not we're not talking about curing cancer, okay? We're talking about strength training, speed training, you know. Yeah. Ease up.
0: Yeah, exactly. So this is where I actually introduce you properly because, but now everyone gets you; they know where you're coming from. This is uh, Alex uh, Selkin, everyone. Um, just written a book, which is pretty cool, um, and we're being connected through Mike Kakowski. and everyone has mike's been on my podcast i've been on mike's twice we know each other from the mastermind that we're in but i always say for everyone who forgets who that one was it was the podcast i cried on because i cried on mike's podcast so the first time round, <laughs> nice so for everyone listening they'll go ah oh, that guy i know who that guy is so um so other backstory you're in nebraska spent one night in Piccadilly. That's literally everything that I know about you so far. Let's go straight into like your evolution into training and how you ended up with kettlebells and all that sort of stuff, mate.
1: Sure. Well, first and foremost, um, if you know that I'm from Nebraska and I've been to Piccadilly, you know, you know, the most important parts, but I will fill you in on the minor details as well. (laughs) Um, So I was indeed born and raised in Omaha, Nebraska, as you can tell from my mellifluous Great Plains accent in English, which I'm told is is very soothing. Yes. Um, when I was young, and I don't know about you, but I was uh, I was anything but athletic. I was anything but strong. You know, I, I like to play outside. Like my parents' house had a creek right behind it. So we would, uh, my brother, and I, more me, I think, but I would like to explore the creek and run around and that sort of a thing. Um, but I was never really in team sports. I did gymnastics for a time, maybe between the ages of four and eight. Uh Um, and I, I liked it a lot, but you know, after a while it was like, I, I was very fortunate actually that I stopped when I did, I think, because I mean, gymnasts are like some of the most jacked up people, you know, like all the running and jumping and falling and you know, hit and stuff. I, I side note, but I very distinctly remember one of my classmates in the gymnastics class falling off a balance beam and like landing on the metal part (laughs) underneath. And it was like, you know, poor six year old kid. He was just like bawling his eyes out. Uh, So I escaped that and many other fates that befall uh, many young aspiring gymnasts. And then I went to just kind of like floating around. And I remember I was never like picked last for gym class, but it was like, you know, second to last, you know, when we were picking for team sports. Um, You know, and this this continued even through high school, actually. I I have a very distinct memory of uh, being we would weight train maybe like twice a week in gym class. And uh, this was my junior year, which I know that you guys have different a uh, different uh, name for those sorts of. So yeah, I,
0: secondary I maybe, school.
1: Sec, yeah, I was maybe like sixteen. We'll yeah, something yeah. about that. Yeah.
0: that would be the peak of secondary school.
1: I got you. Okay. Yeah. Exactly. So it, same with us because it was like we had one more year left basically.
0: Yeah.
1: After that, we call it senior year. Um, I don't know where they came up with the names, to be very honest. Freshman, sophomore, junior, senior. It's like there's no rhyme or reason. You know, one, two, three, four makes more sense. But that's um, the
0: year. That's the year where you finally get enough of courage about yourself. That girl that you fancied for three years, you make the move in the final year. Exactly.
1: Exactly. Um I I think that uh that's probably the best way to describe that for any age that's like just a universal sort of yeah. a, an experience i think yeah um actually that's funny too because i remember uh, going to my prom i asked my ex-girlfriend she was my ex-girlfriend at the time i was like hey will you go to the prom with me and and that was like the closest i got to that experience because i think all the other girls at that time i was very dweeby too I was I, I, they were a bit more out of my league i had like the clark kent look going on without yeah. the superpowers you know like was, <laughs> those came later this is this is the big point because those those came much later but Um, but no, I remember in high school, even uh, in at age 16, we were weight training. Um, yeah, I think my training partners got a better workout stripping the plates off of the bar, you know, to prepare me for like the bench press and stuff like that. I got buried under the uh, on the bench once with a very small amount of weight because my my uh, training partner, I don't think he thought I was going to struggle with it. He just was Mm -hmm. like, he turned around and talked to a friend, and then the gym teacher yelled at him, and you know, and (laughs) Yeah, it was very, very embarrassing. So that was the majority of my of my youth. And then it wasn't until around I want to say I was like 19, I was friends with this guy named Trevor, we discovered uh this movie called Ong Bak, which was uh featured Muay Thai. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah I know Ong Bak, yeah,
1: yeah. A- amazing movie, right? Like yeah. we were instantly obsessed. We were like and Trevor, he worked at uh, Walmart. I don't
0: know if Walmart is a
1: thing in in, the, in there Europe. There
0: are or... Asda the WalMarts, yeah. So the Walmart bought out Asda, which is a supermarket here. Yeah. So oh, they're... I see. Yeah. Okay, so
1: he worked at Walmart, and what he would do in the back room, he was in the produce section. He would he would throw flying knees at like the produce boxes. Like this is the you know this is kind of obsession you can only have as a teenager. Yeah. And uh, we eventually found out that there is uh, in Omaha. There is a gym run by a guy named Mick Doyle, it's still there, He's a two time kickboxing world champion from Ireland who somehow ended up in Omaha, Nebraska. This yeah. is the that's probably a much more interesting story than you know, than just my being born here. But, um, so we started training at his gym, and uh, and I, I he started my friend Trevor, started showing me some basic bodybuilding stuff with uh, with dumbbells and, and what have you. And I didn't really connect with it all that well, but it was, I could feel that there were changes happening. You know, mm-hmm. like I was putting on some muscle and then eventually um, my friend Drew and my Spanish classes at the university was really interested in this uh, this thing called a kettlebell. And this guy named Pavel, who was like this, you know, rough and tumble, you know, former Soviet special forces physical training instructor. And Drew invited me over to his house one day and he said, hey, do you want to try a kettlebell workout? And I, mm-hmm. I, had no real desire prior to that so i don't know why but i said yes and i went over it changed my life you know like i i got very uncoordinated very still not athletic but i felt like the movements i was doing i was like this just makes sense to me and uh and that's how it began in earnest that i started training with the kettlebells this i was 21 at the time
0: wow that's cool how old are you now 36 yeah so i'm 34 so we're roughly the same age so all of our cultural influences will be like the same. So exactly, yeah, no, like, hundred uh, percent long back. Wow. That is a, that is like a blast. And they, they had a sequel as well. Didn't they?
1: They did. I saw it once. I didn't think it really stood up to the original. It, it wasn't as good, but it was still great to see Tony Ja, you know, just wailing yeah. on people, but it was not, it was, it didn't have the same magic as the first one.
0: You know what I watched recently? Best of the best. Never heard of it. You've never heard of Best of the it Best. Is,
1: uh, it's a martial arts movie, I take it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. It, it sounds like
1: a tournament style.
0: Oh, it's Team USA against oh. Korea.
1: Say no more. I hope it's Team North Korea and that USA just completely annihilates them.
0: It. It's so, like, looking back at it now, it's so politically
1: charged. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I bet, you know, America used to make a ton of movies like that. What was it? Uh red horizons was that yeah. what it was called a, a red dawn There was Dawn. patrick doors. swayze
0: yeah. yeah yeah and then you had basically like there was that era and i, I read arnold schwarzenegger's autobiography and he was basically mm. like when bush um stopped being president and clinton came in it was the death of planet hollywood and action movies because their face <laughs> clinton's first movie was forrest gump the first movie yeah. that came out in the clinton administration
1: there really was a special period of time where yeah. I would say it was like between the 80s, late 80s and the early 90s, where it was just like Hollywood could do no wrong. Like the amount of amazing movies that came out during that time.
0: Oh, is insane. Yeah, it was literally like, let's fuck some shit up, basically. Things yeah, have absolutely. blown up. Absolutely. Yeah, I I mean, think about it. Okay.
1: All the Indiana Jones Yeah. <laughs> fell off
0: my chair i
1: saw that but your but your speed training saved you and you were able to bam get right back into place as you needed
0: oh fuck. that's going in the clip that's going in the clip. good 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 um but yeah we'll come away from movies i'm, I'm sure, big sure. movie. i love movies a Movie buff. and um but yeah so pavel i remember um he's come out with some real bad vhs's yeah um, job read. yeah and what novel. was his what was his first book called
1: his very, very first book, I think, was uh, Beyond Stretching.
0: Yes. Yes. And it was the, the, obviously the uses of weighted implements to help stretching. And there was lots of yoga, yogic influences in there, if I remember.
1: I think so. I actually never got it because I think it went out of print. You, you can probably buy some out of print copies now. I have the second version, which is uh, relax into Stretch. Okay. Yeah. And that was a great book, uh, but I never got a chance to get my hands on
0: Beyond Stretching. I reckon I've got like a bootleg ebook version somewhere. Like, nice. That was the first thing when I got involved in, de- in in SNC. It was like before it was like, what what bootleg movies can you get? I was like, exactly. I need to get as many bootleg fucking programs of like photocopied books over the years. And it was like that was the sharing thing. It became like Pokemon cards on steroids, basically. Exactly. Actually. Exactly. But so so with that, so I was um, my background is team sports. And so I, I kind of, but I was really skinny. I was very slight. I'm now, I'm 6'4 and 240 pounds, wow. something like that. Where when I was 17, I was like six foot and like 180. Something so I'm something very like curious that. if you have a program
1: to add four inches to your height, because I would totally buy that in a heartbeat. I, I wouldn't even bootleg it. I would actually send a carrier pigeon with cash in its beak to get that program.
0: <laughs> It was it was literally like and I got let go from a, a, a premiership professional rugby academy when I was like 13 for being too skinny. And then literally by the time I was 19, I was like six foot four and 95 kilos big enough wow. to play professional rugby. And so like but my first thing like you was getting into the weight room. And like, that was a big thing for me was needing to put on size and needing to yeah. train and like, get strong and get big and feel that confidence that weights give you and training gives you. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. Oh,
1: hundred percent. Yeah. Like the, I think more than anything, the, the spark of confidence that you get when you start to get stronger and you start to see some results and you're like, Hey, I can just keep following this process mm. and just get swole yeah that's huge especially as a young man you know when you grew up thinking i'm skinny i'm not good enough i got cut from the rugby team and then all of a sudden the power is within your hands to turn it all around that's that's huge yeah.
0: rocky montages meets a uh, commando it's things are happening in life exactly you know? exactly
1: with the side of john rambo you know just oh. to round out the 80s references
0: yeah love it so good there's going to be some people because i have lots of coaches that are about 21 22 that listen to the podcast and this will be on youtube and stuff so people watching it and they'll be like what is he talking about
1: well we're going to educate them and in fact now that i know that this is going to be on youtube too i'm going to fix my blinds in the back because as you can see i'm like turning into into a silhouette like you know the shadowy (laughs) figure in an 80s movie so like you're uh... a
0: mystic teacher
1: I know. Well, I, now I should really start dropping some mystic bombs. You know what I'm saying? Because this would be the the ideal time. But I need to bring myself down to earth so that I don't I don't yes. seem like a, a total putz. Uh <laughs> this will take like two seconds. Yeah,
0: no, that's good, man. That's good. The um just for for everyone listening, there we've talked about some amazing movies and amazing time in cinema that you need to you need to watch. And I I promise we will start talking about training it some point um i'm gonna segue right into that first kettlebell workout um my influence from kettlebell like i came across it was youtube so when i i i got taken under someone's wing who used to play rugby for england and he we did resistance uh machine circuits yeah i just literally blew up like a balloon because it was so general like a single joint exercise strengths like snc 101 soviet principles, like. Yeah um but then i zach evanesh was huge and like i still build my own gyms underground strength all the way you know i love it and but he introduced me into kettlebells and i was like and sandbags and training with kegs and just that way and i was like this is amazing so talk to me more about from that first kettlebell workout and that whole evolution for you because it's i'm really interested well What's especially cool, you know, I, I'm
1: very fortunate to have uh, very good and dedicated friends because literally at the end of that workout, my friend Drew loaned me a 25-pound kettlebell, Do about a 12-kilo kettlebell, yeah. uh, a copy of Enter the Kettlebell by Pavel and The Naked Warrior by Pavel, which yes. is a bodyweight training. And it should then come as no surprise that, you know, as time went on uh, and particularly a couple of years after I really got into calisthenics training and uh, mm-hmm. the Naked Warrior was a huge influence because, um, you know, th- this idea of squatting on one leg or, you know, one arm push-ups, and, and training calisthenics, not as just a means of punishing yourself or conditioning, but actual, mm-hmm. actually building brute strength that carries over into other activities was something I had, I had never even heard of. I mean, there was so many... I hate to use like buzzwords, but the paradigms shifted so much for yeah. me. Like, you can squat all the way down. You don't have to stop at 90 degrees. You know, in fact, it's better to squat all the way down if you can manage it. Um, th- there were so many things that uh, just that one short period of time created for me in terms of of uh, new approaches to how I trained. I was still doing Muay Thai at the time, and uh, I noticed a huge difference in my strength, my conditioning and. And uh, or no, I take that back. I wasn't doing Muay Thai then. I was I switched over to Krav Maga, but nevertheless, martial arts training. Uh, yeah. I definitely noticed a difference in my strength, speed, power, all that other stuff. Mm. Um, and then probably by about 2011, I sacked up and I finally bought Pavel's DVD of the Naked Warrior because I just couldn't figure like pistol squats. I I managed to get the first time I tried them. They weren't pretty. I was yeah. not an expert but I managed the pistol squat because I had enough mobility and stability and strength. One arm push-ups eluded me. Then I got his DVD and maybe watched the first 10 minutes and I picked up something and I was like, Oh, well, let me try that. Paused it, went to the middle of my bedroom and I knocked out a one arm pushup. And I, and then it was like, a veil was lifted from my eyes and it was like, I understood, you know, like in the matrix where it's like, Neo, you're the one. And then he gets shot and it was like, Oh, okay, well that's not good. And then the minute he like <laughs> resurrects, you know, you're, he's like, oh, now he's the one. He was the guy who was supposed to become the one. He wasn't yeah. the one. at the t- So it was similar to that. It was like this veil lifted from my eyes. Suddenly I understood everything and I could block all of the Kung Fu punches that life threw at me for, you know, just uh, to keep me weak, let's just say. And, uh, and so from then I really started to blend kettlebells and calisthenics training more seriously. And then uh, within about that same year, I discovered a system that would later become known as original strength which Uh is more oriented around um, resetting the nervous system using the original operating system that we were given, which is the fundamental human movements like deep diaphragmatic breathing, head control, rolling, rocking, gait pattern movements, things like that. And so this is like the, we'll say the cliff notes version of uh, how I've gotten to where I am today. And that all happened in a really, again, a very short period of time, like just like all the best movies in Hollywood happened, within. Yeah, very short period of time. Exact same for me in terms of training.
0: Yeah, no, I love it. Uh, I love it. And do you think like the the like you kind of calisthenics and that type of training was, I'd say, a bit more like more appealing for you? Purely like you say, you got pinned on a bench like one of the first times you did it. Like to did it. I mean. We everyone, I've been pinned too many times to, to imagine. <laughs> but do you think that that became like an option because it was like, well, my experience with that, then now someone's showing me this, and this, I yeah. this gets me as well as I get it.
1: Yeah, you know, there are certain. I remember uh, Pavel talking about this at a workshop once. There are certain body types that favor certain types of uh, strength training you know so big guys typically do very well with barbell training or they're they're it's easier for them to to excel with barbell training um with people who are have a smaller build and you know at the time i weighed probably like 155 pounds which is yeah i don't know i want to say 60 something kilos 68 yeah. kilos maybe something yeah. like that and um so it came a little more naturally to me and i, I also had the gymnastics background so yeah, i think You know, subconsciously, there were certain things that I understood, even if I couldn't verbalize them, that made Mm. it a little bit easier for me to um, to excel with it. And, uh, you know, but the key is that if you can get good at barbell training as a smaller guy or good at body weight training as a bigger guy, you can really unlock a ton of strength. Mm. Kettlebells are kind of that unique like uh, middle ground where it challenges everybody for different reasons about equally. You know, yeah, and uh, so for me, yeah, I found that calis- uh, yeah, calisthenics really helped to round out the uh, the experience that I had with strength training that was missing from barbell training just because I had a slighter build and I, I'm a bit uh, larger now, but still, you know, I'm not like you know this hulking type of guy, and um, I've since taken on barbell training and had more success as a result. I think mm. of the uh, combination of kettlebells and calisthenics. Because if you really break it down, you know, calisthenics is essentially uh, training your body to move as a solid interconnected unit through free space using strength. Whereas kettlebells, same basic idea with the exception of learning how to uh, move an external object, but doing so again as a solid interconnected unit. And so as soon as I was able to kind of integrate those things into my own physical uh, abilities, it made a lot of things easier. You know, I think for people who are bigger, it would probably be the reverse. It may be kettlebells and barbells then help you to learn the lessons necessary to excel at calisthenics. For me, it was kettlebells and calisthenics made, I wouldn't say I've ever excelled at barbell training, but I've definitely gotten significantly uh, better at it than I ever did previously.
0: Yeah. And I think if we take it from the realm of, of like to pursue and to pursue and excel in becoming athletic yeah All those tools are really general in nature yeah. so pick one yeah and use okay. it and and like I, I saw a study recently um or someone shared it to me that you know the push-up equates to a 60 percent one rm on the bench mm-hmm. and it's like yeah <laughs> that's that's deadly like you can get real strong and and real fast and and real powerful just by doing those those basic um, those basic movements and i love all the old soviet stuff and i would speak to a lot of the people in my coaching group about understanding conjugate sequencing Mm
1: -hmm. which i
0: think you know the the you know kettlebells and all that really understand that well you know, like if you were to put a really simple methodology together, like from a long-term athletic development, which doesn't start with kids. It starts with people that haven't trained before. 101, push-up, squat, calisthenic form. Yeah. Then maximum strength method through barbells comes about two years later. Big time. And there's this world of exploration um, in between, which is... Which is obviously somewhere that you've positioned yourself so well in.
1: Yeah. And I think, by the way, I'd have to say too, that your uh, the order that you put it in is important because I think that a lot of people, there are definitely barbell moves that are going to be a little bit more accessible to people from the beginning, but yeah. a lot of them are going to be made a lot better by getting the fundamental movement quality that you can build with calisthenics training if it's trained properly. That I think are a little harder to learn with a barbell, but are easier to apply with a barbell.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. And so, like the um, with the so so with the that um, system that you use now, right? Mm-hmm. That you've talked about the head movement. You've talked about the rocking. You've you've talked about all of these things. For, for a lot of coaches that may never have heard of, of this type of work before or because mm-hmm. it's definitely not taught in undergrad and master's accreditations, I'll tell you that for sure. Paint yeah. that picture for us, please.
1: Sure. Well, the system itself is called Original Strength. And uh, initially, it was called Becoming Bulletproof. So if anybody might remember that from back in like around 2011, uh, a guy named Tim Anderson with his friend Mike McNiff wrote a book. I don't think you can get it anymore, but it was called Becoming Bulletproof. And, um, later went on to become this, I mean, it it was discovered by people in the kettlebell world in particular. And, uh, I remember I started using it pretty early on because I, I was like, there's something to this that just makes sense. It's, it was very similar to kettlebells in the sense that it's like, you have to learn how to use your whole body for the purpose for which it was made. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm not one of those people who, who dislikes, uh, single joint movements. I think they're awesome. Um, the one obvious drawback to them is that they don't necessarily help you to move better, but they can definitely get you stronger, uh, and build muscle in the, in the, uh, the muscle that it's supposed to work on. But the whole body is supposed to move as a unit as well. And so being able to cover both of those, those angles, you know, like single joint stuff. And then what what we might call global movements where everything is designed to move all at once, uh, very, very important stuff. And, um, I found that, When I started doing these fundamental movements, everything started to get a lot easier. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it sounds kind of strange, but if you think about it, we all understand the value of training the basics and getting really, really good at them. Mm -hmm. You know, I I bet, you know, with the athletes that you train, you would probably find that the ones who are really, the ones who really sharpen and excel at the basics are the ones that it is a lot easier to teach the advanced stuff to. Mm -hmm. And there can really be nothing more basic. Then the movements that we do as babies and toddlers to build up to the athletic movements that we're able to do later, like running, jumping, uh, changing directions very quickly, Mm -hmm. et cetera, that all has to be built on a solid foundation. And So uh, the original strength is a system that's just basically built around the human developmental sequence.
0: Yeah.
1: And the value of it is that it helps to we say in layman's terms, it helps to like reset the nervous system Mm -hmm. by simply using the original operating system. Of the body, which are these these fundamental movement patterns, which still hold a lot of sway in, in how we get stronger. And so, what it looks like in real time would be, again, learning how to breathe with the diaphragm, something that a lot of people have a, a great difficulty with. There's a lot of chest breathing, given the fact that we live very sedentary lives. Uh, learning how to move the head and the neck, which is extremely important because movements of the head and neck are strongly connected to the muscles of the core and the back. Mm-hmm. So, this kind of head movement, and plus you keep in mind your vestibular system is located in your inner ear, yeah. and so and your vestibular system is your balance system. So if you want to be athletic, you want to have this sort of like light speed reaction time when you're on field, or even jumping out of the way of a oncoming car because the driver is a zoomer who's you know texting or filming a TikTok video or God knows what. <laughs> um, all of this stuff. It's very important. It has like very, very big, uh, everyday uh, applications. Uh, and then from there, it moves into stuff like rolling, which is an excellent way to start. Uh, we can say, like, from an athletic standpoint, it's an excellent way to start working on uh, spinal mobility and particularly rotation, mm. which is a, a key skill for any athletic application. Um, and of course, it's also teaching you how to move from place to place on the ground. So, this is kind of the initial, the like the uh, initial. Uh, introduction that we have to locomotion followed by rocking. And again, you can, you can see babies do this. So if you have kids or you have nieces or nephews or what have you, you can, you can see this developing. Nobody has to teach them to do these things. This is what the body is designed to do. Uh, Rocking is very important for integrating the entire body to move all at once or, or uh, for every joint and muscle to have a role in this movement. And Equally important, I would say probably even more importantly is that rocking is what helps set the S curve in the spine. So this mm-hmm. is what helps you with your your posture, which gives you the mechanical ability to stand upright, which is again, you know, what's where athleticism lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then finally, the gait pattern, which helps to move the body again, all as one piece from point A to point B. And it typically will start with a crawling and then it, it evolves into walking and then running and sprinting and what have you
0: yeah that's so,
1: so cool yeah this is the system uh in a in a nutshell there's a lot more to it i'm just giving you like the broadest overview of it all but i found that this is in particular i mentioned being very uncoordinated and this is the thing that allowed me to you know like uh pat my head and rub my stomach at the same time because yeah. prior to that it was like you know it was uh an exercise in futility to even try something so simple
0: well it's it's so it's so brilliant because you know um original child researcher um jean Piaget, cognitive oh, stage yeah. of development all gross motor skills development developed by two years old yeah. so i it's part of my process with coaches is to humble them with that fact mm-hmm. that it, it, in 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 essence that a lot of the things that you're obsessing over are pre-built so the change that you're making it needs to be much more global and so that insight in there, just from a, um, just from a conceptual point of view really feels that nicely. And you think about it as well, you know, when you liken it, you know, the baby they they are in order for them to survive. Cause that's essentially what it's trying to do is taking advantage of leverage and mm-hmm. finding the way like, we're all relatively built with the same bone structure. So mm-hmm. that's where the fundamental leverage comes from, of which we create movement. So it's like yeah. it makes real good logical sense that this is should be included. And so in your training, and before we I know we have to wrap up soon before we do, you're definitely coming back for another time to like really blow this system out and and really talk more about it. But the um, you know for a lot of coaches out there i'm th- and me thinking straight away like i want to combine and bring this stuff into my speed sessions and my yeah. prep stuff you know S- side note i'm a massive fan of uh, pilates reformer because i think it you're able to achieve a lot of stuff with big guys as well that you could never do otherwise Definitely, and this kind of feel feels to me that it can go in that realm i, I don't know sort of explain how you would feature it in with a winger in rugby or wide receiver or a football player something like that yeah you know the thing that i would say would be probably the
1: easiest and most effective way to do it is to look at it in the same way that you look at strength training you know uh you understand instinctively because you are a uh a good quality coach that you know you're not trying to replicate the sports specific movements in the weight room because you know that it's just like it's just damaging uh unless they're like extremely high level. They just don't need to do like sports specific type of uh, stuff. And mm. even at that point, it doesn't need to dominate their training. And so yeah. the same is very much true with the original strength resets is because these are the, like the foundational and fundamental movements. You just apply that same mindset to like, okay, you know, they might need to bench press, but they don't need to do anything like silly with the bench press, you know, in order to get better at it or to have that strength mm. apply on the field. Uh, likewise with the uh, the deadlift and stuff like that. And your your main focus is to use that as a means of making them better at the sport that they're already practicing. So they've got to do both of those things. And on the movement side of things where I think the practice comes into play is uh, number one, the obvious thing, this is not the only application, but would be for a warm up. So uh, getting them like, well, we might say they like just movement prep, getting them prepped to move better. And if they have certain deficiencies, such as, you know, uh, they don't breathe well using the diaphragm or they have uh, issues using their their head and neck properly or uh, lack of coordination. These would be drills that you could toss in between other drills, so it could be yeah. either done at the beginning in between, it can be done at the end um, and there's uh, and because it is so overarching in terms of the impact that it can have, you don't necessarily need to worry about the minutia at least not at the beginning. you get them mm-hmm. started doing it, and then you kind of narrow it down into maybe certain variations or progressions that they might uh, do better with. Um, That would be the the way to do It's just apply that same strength and conditioning mindset to the movement side of things. And I think it it will integrate itself
0: very quickly and very easily. I'm so glad you said that. I'm so glad you said that because yeah, that's it, right? It's, it's all the same. It just, it's where it fits and and how you kind of, how you kind of bake the cake and, I just made a um, connection with um, Scott Livingston, King of Pain, uh, on Ooh. Instagram. And he he's very much uh, along your lines in, in terms of like the neuro reconditioning side of things and understanding those principles. And I've kind of like opened up a minefield for myself with it. Um, but the, I think the wonderful thing that what you're saying here in terms of the integration of this type of work into your training, it doesn't need to be too complicated. And it's a very easy slide in. Exactly. It's
1: basically, um, it's like a a puzzle piece that is very identifiable with with the uh, the thing that you're trying to fill in. You just add the puzzle piece, that's it. There's no complex code or anything like that. And again, you can always dive deeper into the details of any system. But initially, yeah, you start with the simple stuff. You just make notes of what seems to be getting better, what's stayed the same, what's getting worse, and this will just give you an idea of the direction to take it. Like if you've got an athlete who doesn't do well with the deadlift, but maybe really excels with the power clean, and it gets, you know, gets the the results that you need. Well, like okay, so you're gonna do power cleans. We're not gonna worry so much about deadlifts, or you know, you're gonna squats. you know, wider stance, you're going to squat in narrower stance, uh, mm-hmm. minor changes like that, that are up to the coaches, the, the art side of coaching, let's say mm-hmm. where there's not such an easy way to say, well, scientifically it should be X, Y, Z, but using your best judgment, very, very much the same. Um, I, I, would think that with, uh, just a minor amount of, of learning, you can, you can really learn how to start integrating it and it's all gentle stuff. So it, it's not likely to cause, any sort of pain or injury or anything like that
0: yeah no i I, i'm a big fan of this this type of work i was speaking to my legacy coaching group this morning um and we got onto the topic of impulse and all this sorts of stuff but it turned out that by the end of it i was doing a, a, a workshop on the psychological attachment to barbell barbell lifts for athletic development yeah and um and it's funny how this conversation comes in, because what you're talking about is the essence of athletic movement based on fundamentals, which, which essentially your where we are now is largely a clusterfuck, basically, because whether a lot of coaches listen to this fail to admit it, if they ever do a barbell cycle, you know, they do eight, well, uh, uh, an eights wave or something on a bench or a deadlift. or a, They are fucked. Their joints are shot to shit. They feel bad. Like your stress is through the roof. Yeah. So what you put some more weight on the bar, you can't go and perform. But what happens that program, because the weight goes on the bar gets written into the next athletes program. Yep. Program then takes an athlete to the field. That same feeling Goes to the field and it blows my mind. Where, if you what we're trying to do here on what I hear you saying is we're, we're essentially undoing that bias and un, undoing all the work and that, that's compounded by that heavy overload to mm-hmm. actually use that heavy load overload when we need it at the right time in the right way.
1: Bingo. Uh, you know, in the US, we have a, a saying when it comes to American football, which is, looks like Tarzan plays like Jane.
0: Oh, yeah. And
1: yeah. I'm sure you've heard this too. Because, and this is, you have to keep in mind that obviously the weight room numbers are cool, but if they don't translate onto the pitch or onto the field, it's really irrelevant. So yeah. you have to, yeah, you have to break that bias. Even the stuff that you love, you have to be able to say, okay, this is not going to help us achieve our goal, which is not to be powerlifters or Olympic lifters, but, you know, to win this, this championship, to win this game, you know, to, uh, to, progress to the next level you gotta you gotta be willing to slash things out even that you love and add things in even that maybe you you don't find very exciting
0: yeah love it what a great way to finish as well we're literally bang on time that's all awesome. nice thank you man we will do a, a longer part two we've been trying to get this done so i'm glad we got it uh, for those Likewise. listening plug your shit mate plug it where can they find oh, you okay. what what can you well, offer them how can they learn more from you so- well,
1: I'll tell you what, you know, we talked, uh, briefly about, uh, you know, bootlegging and downloading and stuff like that. And so I'm going to assume that that's the first thing that people are going to want to do. So I highly recommend that you get my nine minute kettlebell and body weight challenge. It's free. So it's designed for you to be download. You can do it with an easy heart. You're not stealing anything. Okay. If you go to nine minute that's yes. the number nine minute challenge.com. Uh, you can get your own free copy. It is based around the gait pattern movements uh, in order to get stronger and better conditioned, better coordinated. As the name implies, it only takes nine minutes to do. Uh, it's gentle on the body, so it can be done daily. And it's oriented around movements like crawling, loaded carries, and the other kind of things that are going to have a nice carryover into your sports training, uh, your workouts. And uh, again, it's not, gonna, it's not gonna tear you down. It's gonna build you up. So 9 uh, have at it, and if you if you find that interesting, of course, I've got plenty of uh, information products. I have a, a best-selling book on Amazon. You can get those later, but right now, go with the free thing. Kind of see what I'm about. If if you like it, you can go ahead and do it. If you think yeah. this is not really my type of thing, you know, no no harm, no foul, no hard feelings.
0: Epic. I'm gonna try it tomorrow,
1: and I love you
0: just casually dropped in a best-selling book on Amazon. So.
1: You know, I, I, uh, I figured I would mention that. I thought it was so maybe good.
0: slightly worthy of mentioning you know. So good. Awesome. Right. Thanks, everyone. Make sure that you like, subscribe, share it to your friends, share it to your mom, whoever thinks you need to see this. That was another episode of Sports Talks. I will see you next time.